are the keeper of peace. Peace. Say the word. Sing the song. But I don't know. Some days if I feel it in my heart and my soul. And I wonder if I'm not alone in that. God, send your spirit into, the, into your place today. I lift up everybody here. God, you are going to do a work in our hearts. Our hearts that can be filled with a lot of different things in the world that don't bring peace. But it's a new day. And you're, you make all things new, God. So we ask for you to do something supernatural today. In fact, we expect it. Because that's who you are. You are a big God who does big things. Miracles. God, we need a miracle today. We need your presence today. God, speak through your word and your truth. And your spirit may go forth and change lives. In Jesus' name I pray and everybody says, amen. You can have a seat. It is so good to be with you. Um, peace. I love that song. I absolutely love it. But I meant what I prayed that I think there are times when we don't feel a lot of peace in our lives. Like, am I the only one who maybe struggles with anxiety a little bit? I do. I do. I struggle. Anxiety, worry, stress. I don't think these are new things to you and to me. But I'll say this, and I don't think they, they've always been around, right? Those feelings have always existed. As a kid, so youngest of six kids, my mom raised us really by herself, and I had stress as a kid. Like, I used to worry excessively. Excessively. I, we didn't have a lot growing up. We literally were on food stamps. We were a family that I remember going to my mom and going to the grocery store and paying with food stamps. We would shop at Sally's. You might know it as the Salvation Army. Right? That was our department store. So we were, we were, I'll say it, we were Poe. And you might be thinking, what do you mean you're Poe? You mean poor? No, Poe, P-O, we couldn't afford the last two letters. We were that poor. It was a struggle growing up. But, uh, but you know what God always provided? In our struggle, in our family, we always seemed to have clothing. We always seemed to have school supplies. We always seemed to pay the bills. We always had enough food for all six kids and mom, and I know we had enough because every time I went for seconds, my mom would look at me and say, you've had enough. So I'm like, okay, all right, I've had enough. So I, God's been good to us. But I'm telling you, in the battle that we're facing, a lot of it, well, not a lot of it, all of it starts here. It starts here. Turn to your neighbor and say it starts here. Tell, tell your neighbor. It starts here, right? This is why we're doing a series called Battle Born. If you're new, I'm going to say this again. Welcome home. We're super excited that you're here. We are a church that teaches around series and topics. And Battle Born is a series that was birthed out of Ephesians. That's a book in the Bible, and it's in the New Testament. And it's, if you read Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 20 this week, take you 90 seconds at the most. You would read about how God has armed us with different pieces. Like, this is really the third piece we're looking at today. First was the belt of truth, if you missed it. So truth right here. Last week, we learned about the body armor of righteousness, righteousness that sits on truth. This week, we're looking at shoes of peace. Say peace. 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 I grew up in a church where we always would say to each other, peace be with you. We'd say it, but I didn't, I didn't feel it in my heart. And I wonder if you're, you're with me on that. I, I want to give you one verse out of Ephesians 6.15 that described the shoes of peace. Paul, this, this, this church planter, a, a man who was drastically changed by Jesus, wrote this. For shoes, he said, for shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news. What do you mean good news? Well, good news 
uh, translates into gospel. And gospel is, is the story of Jesus. So good news that comes from Jesus so that you'll be fully prepared. I wonder if in the days that we face, if we're fully prepared for what we're going to face in our day, in our kids, in our family. Shoes of peace. I'll tell you, um, I say shoes of peace, and every time I, th- I say that, I think of the first shoes I ever bought with my own money. It's a freshman in high school, and I had to have these shoes. Yeah, I know, my mom bought my shoes up to then, but anyway, so I was a freshman in high school, bought my own first pair of shoes, and they were Reeboks. And Reeboks, when I was a kid, when I was a, a, a freshman, they weren't the known shoe. So they were kind of newer on the scene, and, and, and the classic Reeboks are the white ones. They're all white. Those are classic Reeboks. And all white shoes were not normal from where I was from. In high school, you wouldn't see all white shoes, okay? But I've never been accused of being normal, so, so I went out and got them. So I, I, I'll, this is Monday morning. I'm ready for school. I have my glistening white shoes, my Reeboks, and I'm putting them on, and I'm thinking to myself, the chicks are going to love me today. I just know it. That's because the shoes weren't about shoes. They were about the girls, okay? Never forget that, okay? If you, if you get nothing else, no, I'm kidding. So, so I'm putting on my shoes, and I'm thinking, I'm going to have to beat them off with a stick. This is awesome. So I'm putting them on. I leave the house to walk to school. It wasn't, remember, we were, oh, no, no driving, walking. I'm walking to school, um, and I get to a gravel road. Now, I didn't know that the night before it rained. And I'm like, I, I get to the gravel road, and I can see that it's wet. And I'm thinking, okay, it doesn't look that bad. I can just kind of quickly glide across this really quick, get to the other side. But my shoes were so white, so glistening white. I didn't want to get them dirty. So I thought, I got to make this quick. So I I take my first step, and I step. And as soon as I take a step, my my Reebok, my white, beautiful Reebok, glistening white shoe, sinks down about uh, an inch into the mud. And I immediately, well, the first thing I did was scream like a schoolgirl. Um, but after I did that, I, I looked, I, I immediately looked down and all the peace left my body. There was no peace left in my body. It was really stressful. And I pull my shoe out and I look at it and there's mud all over the bottom of my shoe, my new white shoe. I ran back to the house, two blocks away from my house. I wasn't far from home. Ran back to my house, ripped my shoes off, cleaned them up, sat them in the closet and said, you know what? I can't wear them right now. I got to wait till the earth dries out. And uh, those shoes brought, brought me more stress. They were so white, I couldn't wear them. Every day, I'm like, eh, mm, no. I, I mean, they just sat there for the most part. But anyway, you know what my second pair of shoes was after that? Reebok pumps. Remember those? Dude, I could jump like two feet with those. It was amazing. So, um, but, but, so, but I was so worried about my Reeboks getting them dirty. I think of you, and I've been praying for you this week, and I wonder what, what worries you. And I, and I know there's something, because we're human, and we go there sometimes, even though the Bible clearly says we should not worry, you worry. I wasn't going to ask anybody who worries excessively to raise their hand, but you'd be so worried about what somebody else was saying, you wouldn't raise your hand. Anyway, so that wouldn't work. But we worry, don't we? We did a series in the church a few months ago, some of you remember it, Mentally Messed Up? It's like the banner series of our church, because we are messed up at Meadows, but you know what, we're messed up together, so welcome home. Um, Mentally messed up, I shared a stat about anxiety and worry. The stat was this. The survey said that 8% of what people worry about are legitimate concerns, 8%. The other 92% of what you and I worry about every day and every week aren't even legitimate. Three reasons why. They said either what you're worrying about is imaginary. Like we we tend to make things up in our head. I don't know about you, but I'm good at that. Uh, They'll never happen. So what you're worrying about will never actually come to, it'll never happen. Third, the third thing it said is you have no control over it. So you're worrying about something that you have no control over. 
So 92% of what you're stressing about, you shouldn't be stressing about. And the other 8%, honestly, you're not supposed to stress about that either. We're supposed to pray about it. So, but, but I, I, I truly believe, I'm so excited about today because, listen to me, we all struggle in this area. Whether we want to acknowledge it or not, we struggle here. And today, God wants to do something in you. I don't know what you brought in here. I don't know what you're struggling with with your family or your finance or your kids or your career or your school. But I'm telling you today, God wants to bring a peace that, that you can't even understand. But I hope you can by the end of today. That's my goal. But this message is for anybody who's got a spirit sometimes of worry, a spirit of stress, a spirit of wanting to figure things out, but you can't figure things out, so then you worry about that. God's going to show us something today about peace that you can control it. This is crazy. Sometimes we think, well, peace depends on, you know, if I get the job or I don't get the job. If she says yes or if she says no, it doesn't. It has nothing to do with your situation. It has nothing to do with your circumstances. It has everything to do with how you access peace. You can control your peace. And God's going to show us how. But we do have battle born. Say battle born. See, battle born is a series that we're in and you do have an enemy. And we know that our enemy is the devil. So the devil knows that if you have no peace in your life, then you have no victory in your life. That's what he knows. So his goal is that you don't put on your, your white Reeboks, your shoes of peace. You don't put them on. He doesn't want you to. Because he knows when you strap those on, it gives you power. What, what are your shoes made for doing? Walking, moving, making progress. See? And he wants to stop that. But, it's, but I'm telling you, like I said, it's a new day. So I've already given you the scripture in Ephesians, but I'm going to teach to you today out of another book in the, uh, in the New Testament that Paul wrote called Colossians. So Colossians, go to Col if you brought a Bible or a mobile app, go to Colossians 3, verse 12. As you're going there, I'll set it up. So the first churches, check this out. Jerusalem was the first church. You know, that's where Jesus died and where he did a lot of his ministry. That was the first church. And then they planted churches in, in modern-day Turkey area around the Mediterranean Rim and the Mediterranean Sea. And uh, Ephesus is right along the Mediterranean Sea. If you go just west of Ephesus, or is it east? My directions are, they, it's not good. So east, probably. So east, thank you. They're all like, yeah, duh, pastor. So east, right? Just directly east is Colossae. Colossae is the church that was in Colossians, just so you get some context. So Paul's writing to that church, but to you and I too. Listen to this. So he's writing to followers of Jesus. He's writing to Christians. If you're here today and you're not believing in Jesus, thank you for coming. That's, we're here for you. I'm here for you, and I don't know more than you. I'm just saying I will point you to somebody who loves you, okay? So, but he's, just so you know who the audience is in this, in this letter. He says, since God chose you to be holy people, he loves, God loves you. You must, say must, must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy with kindness, with humility, with gentleness, with patience. Okay, I'm already feeling inferior just reading those because I don't clothe myself with those every day. But Paul says we must do it. We must make strides. Verse 13, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive. Lean in right now. Forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you so you must, say must, you must forgive others. I got to park here for about 90 seconds, okay? It's a message on peace, but I, I can't 
really teach on peace if I don't go here with forgiveness. Because if you're harboring a spirit of unforgiveness in your heart, you're, you're missing out on God's peace in your life. Okay? If you're harboring unforgiveness, you're missing out on peace. And so, it, it, boy, if there's something that I see that's an epidemic for Christianity, it's, it's people that would claim that Jesus is my Lord and I, he's in me and I'm following him, but they're not forgiving people. We somehow think it's optional, and it's not. It's commanded that we forget. Well, you don't know what they did. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what they did. Check this out. In Matthew 5, Jesus says, he says, if you're in church, if you're at the temple, and you're giving your offering, and you all of a sudden you realize that, that, that someone has an offense against you, like, like they've hurt you, and things aren't reconciled, Jesus says, leave your offering right where it's at, leave the church, go make amends, go make it right, go reconcile, then come back. I read that and I'm like, okay, that's crazy. Number one, Jesus is saying, okay, leave the church. So you know, it's, you know it's a big deal. Number two, he's saying, not if you did something against them, but if you know they have something against you, like you did something. And he's saying, if you're a follower of mine, you go make it right. See, we think that it's conditional. I'll, I will, you guys, I will never forget a conversation I had, and, and this is not uncommon. When I was uh, pastoring in Sioux Falls, uh, a woman, probably in her mid-upper 60s, and I've known her for years, and her, her father was passing away, like he was literally days from, from dying, and she didn't have a good relationship with him, but she went up to see him, and she'd been seeing him, and she came to me, she's like, oh yeah, my dad's going to die any day, and, but she goes, we're good. She says, we're good, and there was abuse, so I mean, I'm not... Boy, if anybody, if you're here today and you've been through some abuse or neglect or something that, so bad like that, man, I'm, I empathize with you. I sympathize with you. She was hurting from it, and rightly so. And, and, and she said, but, I, but I'm good. It's like there was this closure. And I said, so did you forgive your dad? And she said, no. She said, I can't do that. And I said, and I told her, I said, listen, you have an opportunity. Your dad's going to be gone any day. I said, you need to forgive your dad. She goes, I can't. She goes, you, you, you know, you don't know what he did. I don't know what he did, but it doesn't matter what he did. Forgiveness isn't based on what somebody did or didn't do. That doesn't matter. I'm not saying it was right. I'm not saying it didn't hurt. But somehow we, we think, oh, you need to earn it. Oh, well, if it was this, then I'll do it. But if it was that, I can't do it. It doesn't matter. It's not based on what it was. We think it has to do, forgiveness doesn't have to do with feelings, right? Forgiveness involves a choice. And if we call ourselves a follower of Jesus, then we must choose to forgive. We have to do it. There is no option. I wrote it down. I said, we need to be at peace with God and others if we're going to withstand the attacks of the enemy. So, so right now, some of you, you can probably check out for the rest of this. That's all you needed to hear. That, that's it. Because you're harboring some unforgiveness, God is giving you marching orders. It doesn't matter what they did. It doesn't matter what they said. You, if you're a follower of Jesus, you must forgive. Jesus said it. Not me. Jesus said it. Like, I forgive you, you must forgive others. And in Christianity, I think we think it's optional. And it is not. So anyway, I had to just, okay, rant over for now. All right, so where was I at? Verse 14 in Colossians 3. Here we go. Above all... Clothe yourselves with love. I like it. Clothe yourselves. Last week, we, we learned about putting or taking off and putting on. If you missed last week, you got to go back and watch it because it sets up today. But anyway, so clothe yourselves with love, which binds us together in perfect harmony. 
And here we go. You ready for some peace? Verse 15. And let the peace that comes from Christ. From who? From Christ. From Christ. Rule in your hearts. So there's a peace that you can give yourself or that the world can give you, but it is not true peace. It is not like the peace that comes from the Lord that we're talking about today. Trust me, there, when, you, when somebody says, well, I'm, I'm at peace with it, I'm always leery. I'm, well, you're, you're at peace with it, but is God at peace with it? There's a lot of people behind a computer screen, and they're hitting send, or they're replying, and it's the most insane thing you've ever read in your life. Well, I'm at peace with it. I'm good with it. Pretty courageous behind a computer screen. And I'm thinking to myself, yeah, that's insane. Like, what you're typing is psychotic, but you're at peace with it. But I can't, I mean, I've done some things too. One time, <laughs> one time I got in a drag race with a guy who was probably 93 years old. Remember that, Jody? So it was, it was your pastor wasn't always walking with Jesus. But I was at peace with what I, what I did. So we're at a stoplight, and we're both in the turning lane to turn left. I'm in the inner lane, he's in the outer lane, and I just got to get around him so I can get in the right lane to take, make a right turn. No big deal. I looked over, the guy's like 100 years old, wearing a hat. I know he drives slower crap, so I'm like, okay, I got this. So, I don't know, I'm not always politically correct, am I? I'm sorry. I'm not sorry, actually, I'm not sorry. So anyway, so I, I'm, I'm waiting, I'm like, okay, I'll just gun it when we go, and Jody's in the passenger side, and um, so it turns green, and I gun it, totally at peace with my decision, and I gun it, and this guy, out of control, you think I'm bad, he's 90-some years, anyway, he guns it, and we hit the straightaway, and I'm like, what is happening right now? I am flooring it, he's flooring it, we're driving, I kid you not, probably 75 miles an hour in a 35, I should be in prison right now, honestly, and he is, I don't know, we're he penitentiary maybe for him, anyway, so we're, we're flying down this road, and I'm looking at him, I'm like, what is wrong with this guy, and then Jody's like, what are you doing, and I'm like, I'm winning, that's what I'm doing, and I had it forward, and we're going, and I would have won. But I stopped at the stoplight, which was red, and he blew through it. I mean, that's how that guy needed Jesus more than me. So who does that? But I got to the stoplight and stopped, and I thought to myself, I'd do it again. <laughs> you know, I'd do it again. I was, I was totally at peace with that decision. Jody's like, let me out of the car. You know, I, I want out. So, <laughs> oh, Jody. It's good times, right? Good times. I couldn't believe that guy. Why wouldn't you let me? Oh, my gosh. What is wrong with people? Not me, other people. <laughs> okay, so I forgot. Okay, so I was, just because you're at peace with it doesn't mean your, your Lord is at peace with it, is what I'm saying. We're talking about the peace that comes from Christ today. For as members of one body, you're called to live in peace. Now, here we go. I need you to listen for, listen for some words here. I'll help you. Always be thankful. Let the message about Christ and all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. I love this. Sing psalms give, and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Wow. Say thankful. I'm so thankful we're here today. I'm so thankful that I'm not outdoors right at this particular moment. I'm just thankful for the goodness of God and air conditioning. We are so grateful. The key to this message is thankfulness. The key to this message is thanksgiving. The key is your praise. See, listen to me. The level of your praise will determine the level of your peace. Okay? The level of your praise, your thanksgiving, your gratitude, whatever, will determine the level of your peace. You determine your peace. Nobody else. You determine it. it I don't care what's going on in your life or your finance or your marriage. 
I do care, but I'm just saying that shouldn't determine your peace. The level of your praise determines the level of your peace. Well, pastor, you know what? You don't know what's going on in my life, and I just don't have a lot to be grateful for. And I would say to you, we want to change that perspective, okay? Sometimes you got to do a, a perspective check, don't you? Sometimes my kids will come to me, right? Jake and Ava, you paying attention? All right. Sometimes you'll come to me and you'll say, Dad, we don't have nothing to eat. I'm like, oh, all right. So then we got to do a gratitude tour. And I'm like, okay, nothing to eat. Let's check it out. And I'll be like, Jake, Ava, come here. And then we got to walk over to the pantry and we open up the doors of the pantry. I'm like, what are we seeing here? Cans, boxes of stuff, spaghetti noodles. Oh, so, so food though, right? We see food? Okay, okay, all right. Door number two. We walk over here. We're like, all right, refrigerator. We open up both the freezer and the refrigerator. We're so blessed we have both. I'm like, what do you see? Eggs. Do with those egg, chicken, whatever, you know, milk, cow. What are you doing? That you know, I'm like, yeah, you see food, don't you? It's all over the place, but they're still not getting it. So the tour's got to continue. I'm like, all right, we'll go to door number three. Then we got to walk down the stairs for door number three. And there's a chest freezer. Now we open it up, and we look in. And I'm like, oh, what do you see down there? And, and by this time, they're not really having fun with it anymore. It's just they're done. But but I'm not. So I'm like, what was down there? Mm, pizza, you gotta cook it though. Like, stick it in the oven. <laughs> do that. Yeah. So, so we do this little gratitude tour with the Gannon kids. And what I realize is what they're really saying is, um, wasn't that we don't have anything to eat? What you're really saying is we don't have any ice cream or candy. That's what they really meant. Okay. Oh, so it's really a matter of perspective. But we had all kinds of food, it's just cooking it, right? So, perspective. What is your perspective on gratitude? What do you have to be grateful for? I'm telling you, this was big for me. Okay, I'll get, I'll get personal with you here for a second while I wait for this to boot up or do whatever it's doing. Here we go. So last weekend, we get done with church, and it was incredible. You guys, Pastor Casey, I'm sure he shared this. I wasn't in here earlier, but I'm guessing he shared with you that, uh, that we had four people make a decision for Christ last weekend. Yeah, we, we, we'll, we'll never stop praising God. So we had eight first-time guests, not even including kids. Church was amazing. God did something supernatural. And I'm in my car after service. And I'm sitting there, and I'm reflecting on what God did. And I'm telling, I'm just being honest with you, okay? Can we, we can be real today. It's okay to be real in church. I, I felt kind of buoyed. I'm like, I, I thought about the things that didn't go right, you know. Kind of gets hot in the sanctuary a little bit, I think. I sweat a little too much up here. You know, things happen. And I'm, and I'm thinking about the decision. I'm just like, wow, we had four. That's incredible. But gosh, I feel like we could have had more. And, and, and it was really about being discontent and not being, not being grateful for what we had, which was amazing. You look at what God's doing in this church plant, 20 months old, and where we're at, it's incredible. All these seats are pretty much full. And I'm like, God is amazing. But I'm not kidding you. I sat there with a level of almost ungrat. It was weird. And I felt this void. And it's so dangerous when I feel that way, and when you do too. When you, when you neglect to see what God has given you in your life, and, and you're always searching for something else. My question is, what are we searching for? I listened to a leadership podcast this week, and the very end, this is what the guy said, and this hit me. Sometimes the simplest things are the most profound. He says this. I got to get it right. He says, it's so simple. What do you want? What do you want? Like, 
And it hit me. I, I, all of a sudden, I went back to where I was sitting in the car in the parking lot at like 1.30 or 2 in the afternoon. You're all gone. You're eating your lunch. You're napping by that time. And I'm, I'm sitting there. And I thought to myself, what do I want? And it's like God asked me that, Monty. What do you really want? Like, what do you want here? It's not enough? And he had to just kind of, you know, jack me sideways. He has to do that to me once in a while. I don't know about you, but he does it to me. And I, and I, and I said, God, I want lives to change. And he said, are they? And I had to say, yeah, they are. He said, okay. Then shut up. <laughs> no, he didn't say that, but it's like he wanted to. It's like... What, what, so if you struggle with discontentment, it's never enough in your career. It's never enough in your marriage. It's the finances. Once we make this much or we make this, it'll never be enough. Once I make, do this and once I get to this level, okay, that's great. You should have goals, but my, what, are you, what are you shooting for? What is the goal at the end of the day? Oh my gosh, that's so big that you get that. He spoke to me. I'm like, wow, God, you're speaking to me. I tell you. What are we grateful for? Our peace, check this out, our peace or the absence thereof is directly tied to what you focus on each day. It is. So what are we focused on? Okay, I get it. Some days are better than other days. I understand that. But don't you think that every day can be a blessed day if we choose to see the blessings that are right before us? I believe that we can be like, oh my gosh, I'm blessed. The day might have sucked here and there, but my gosh, I'm still breathing. I'm still upright. God is still good. I still know him. So what are we looking at? Gratitude. I love that word. Remember the gratitude walk with the kid? See, gratitude, you know what gratitude does? Gratitude turns what you have into enough. Gratitude turns what you have into enough. But if you're not grateful for what you have, you're never going to be grateful for what you get. You won't. It's back to what are you, what's the goal? What do you want? We, I worry way too much, especially as a pastor and a guy that knows Jesus. It's almost embarrassing to tell you that. But Paul speaks to me in another book called Philippians. Listen to Philippians 4, 6, and 7. This is huge. It's in your notes if you have a note page. Don't worry about anything. You know, okay, you know what anything means like in the Greek? anything that's what it means don't worry about anything instead pray about everything tell God what you need and you ready for this thank him for all he's done don't just tell him what you need you thank him for all he's done then say then then wow so thank him for all he's done then so if I do this then that thank him for all he's done then you will experience God's peace what? It's almost like you're saying the level of my praise is going to determine. Yes, I am. The level of your peace, which exceeds anything you can understand. His peace, here's the armor, his peace will guard your hearts and your minds. Remember where it began? As you live in Christ Jesus, your praise determines your peace. And this is insane because you think about the life of Jesus. And the, like, so the day before Jesus would die on a cross, that was a Friday. He did that for you and I, by the way. It's awesome. Greatest news in the world, good news. The day before was Thursday, obviously, and he was having the Last Supper, as commonly known with his disciples. So the Last Supper, Jesus says something 
Like, you think peace would be the last thing on their mind. The disciples, they don't know really what's happening. They don't get it yet. But they know something is amiss. They know something is wrong. I mean, they just figured out that one of them is going to betray him. And there's, there's, there's just a lot of questions. One is about to deny him. There's a lot of, like, tension. And Jesus, listen to what he says. They're sitting at the table. Jesus says, I am leaving you. Okay, that would cause more tension right there. Jesus, what did you just say? You're leaving us? Don't leave us, Jesus. Please don't leave us. We need you, Jesus. Right now is not the time to leave. This is not a good time, Jesus. But he says it anyway. I'm leaving you. And then he says, but I'm leaving you with a gift. Check it out. Peace of mind and heart. Are you seeing where the peace comes from? The Lord. I'm leaving you with a gift of peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give, the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. The peace that Jesus gives us, it's not like anything else. That's why it's not your peace, it's not their peace, it's not the world's peace. I mean, let me, does the, does the world seem like it's at peace? No! You, you don't have to watch the news for more than two seconds. We are not at peace. We are, we are, we are more divisive now than ever. We have more differences than ever. Than ever. My gosh, world issues, social issues, political issues. It's all over the place. Peace? It's almost, a, it's almost a laughable phrase, peace. I wrote this down. Peace doesn't mean suddenly that our differences are eliminated. It means we unify under the love of Jesus despite our differences. Okay? That's what peace means. You don't have to get along with everybody to have peace. You don't have to agree with everybody to have peace. Pastor Rick Warren, a, a, a pastor in California, he's a long-distance mentor of mine, and he teaches me a lot. I put this quote on my social media this week, and maybe you saw it. If you didn't, I'll show it to you now. There is, there is such truth in this quote, and I need, us, I need us as a church to embrace this. Can we do it together? We don't need to read it together. I just need, it, I need us to own it together. He says, our culture has accepted two huge lies, and we have. The first is that if you disagree with someone's lifestyle, you must fear or hate them. Okay, that is crap. Again, there's that politically correctness, right? You've got to work on that. You must fear or hate them. The second is that to love someone means you have to agree with everything they believe or do. He said it, both are nonsense. Complete nonsense. You don't have to compromise convictions to be compassionate. I love that. I love that. Oh my gosh. You don't have to compromise convictions to be compassionate. I will tell you something. When I walked in to celebrate church in Sioux Falls a dozen years ago, messed up in my thinking, messed up in my speaking, messed up in my actions, messed up in my heart, messed up in my soul, and I walked in, and I'm telling you, they loved me. They loved me. They, 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 they didn't agree with a lot of the things I was saying and how I talked. They didn't agree with a lot of the things that I did or where I'd been or where I was still going. They kept loving me, though. Something about love that's pretty, pretty attractive. So they didn't beat me over the head with the Bible. They didn't shove religion down my throat. They did throw their arms around me and love me like I've never been loved in my life. And eventually it allowed Jesus to do something that only he can do in my life. We have to figure this out as Christians. Culture and society is drifting. Now, we, don't, we can't just say, well, screw culture, you know. They're, they're messed up. Okay, good luck reaching anybody. 
You better start embracing what God is, what, what is happening in the word, but we need to do it in the spirit of love. Not judgment, love. My gosh, just because you don't agree with whatever thing. Jody, do we agree on everything? She's laughing. Anyway, so I, yeah, she should. Yeah. We don't. We love each other. Praise, gratitude, thanksgiving. It opens up the floodgates of peace. And we need peace in our world more now, now more than ever. This is why Meadows Church, and I've said it before, we will always be a church that looks less like a funeral and more like a party. We will be a church that will look for anything and everything that we can possibly celebrate. We will look for the good. We will look, we, we will look for God in everything. This is what we have to do as a church. I'll tell you, growing up, I didn't, I didn't feel like church was a fun place. I'm not judging the church very traditional. My mom loves it. I got many friends that love it. So I don't blame the church for anything. It was just, I was, it didn't resonate with me. There's different churches for different people. But for me, it just wasn't, it wasn't it. And I would go and I'd be like, oh my gosh, especially as a kid. I'm like, I don't want to go. I mean, there was a time, I'll never forget my mom's looking for me. And I'm hiding in the closet. My mom's, Monty, Monty, where are you at? And she finally finds me. She's like, come on. Time to go to church. I'm like, Mom, I'm not going. She's like, Monty, you're going. I said, no. She says, yeah. She said, you're going, and I'm going to give you two reasons why. I said, really, what are they? She said, number one, you're 38 years old. Number two, you're the pastor of the church. I'm like, okay, fine. I'll go. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so kind of truth to that, but I, I didn't enjoy church growing up. It wasn't the church, it was me. We were just not made for each other. There's a church out there. If Meadows isn't for you, you don't stop searching for your church. It's out there for you, I promise you that. Don't give up on that. But I'll tell you something. I don't believe for a second that the church, when you find a church that you love, you shouldn't have to tolerate it. It won't be like that. I talked to somebody in the Welcome Center. They're like, my kids couldn't wait to come back. My I love hearing that. Who says that? I'd never heard that growing up. I never heard one kid ever say, I can't wait for Sunday. I can't wait for church. We, that's, that's crazy. But yet, that's what a parent just told me. I love it. See, church shouldn't be something that we have to tolerate. I don't think it should be that way. I think it should be something that we get to celebrate. Are we messed up as a church? Uh, yes, we're messed up. But we're not going to let what is wrong with us stop us from worshiping what is right with our God. Today, worship is our weapon. You're giving God praise. You must want some peace in your life. I do. I do. It's not dependent on your circumstances. Jesus knew it. He talked about peace that night, that last supper. Well, hours later, he was, let's see, betrayed, arrested, beaten, spit on, and dead on a cross. The peace I leave you is not like the peace that comes from the world. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Peace. That's the shoes of peace. It says from what? From, from, comes from the good news. That Jesus Christ, a real human being who is also God, check that out. That's a true story. That's nuts. Came to earth for you and I because he loves you and me. This is insane. 
And, and then he dies a criminal's death. Guy never hurt anybody, never sinned, never did anything wrong. All he did was love. And the people, even though he may not agree with what they do or how they live, they loved him. It's like they ran to him. Who does that? Do you have people running to you that you don't agree with? Do you have people maybe you don't agree with their lifestyle? Are they coming to you or are they, are they repelled by you? If they're running from you, you probably aren't living like Jesus. You probably aren't loving like Jesus. And I'm not judging you. I'm working on it myself. They loved him. They ran to him. And then he goes to a cross, dies a criminal's death, takes away all of our sin. That's what that does. Takes away all of our shame. Here's what it does. It, 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 Jesus, I love saying it this way. Jesus took the blame for everything you did wrong in your life. Everything. Say everything. Everything means everything. He takes the blame. Bring it on. Bring it on. Bring it on. And then he gives you credit. Here, take this. I'll give you credit for everything I did right. It's like, who does that? Jesus does that. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ, that he died, and three days later, he would defeat sin, he would defeat death, and he would rise from the dead. And I'm going to say, I'm gonna, you're going to hear me repeat this until God calls me home. If you struggle with theology, if you struggle with religious people, if you struggle with evolution or the Bible, I'm telling you, Christianity isn't based on evolution. It's not based on, it's not based on the Bible. The Bible is based on Christianity. Don't get it mixed around. The center of Christianity is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Nothing more and nothing less. Okay? I'm not saying, I believe in the, I'm just saying, I see people struggle. They're reading like judges or something, and they're like, oh my gosh, this God is so hateful and so crazy. He swallows people. Listen to me. If you can wrap your head around Jesus Christ being a dead man and then being alive, you can call on his name and you can be saved. God will reveal other stuff to you down the road. You don't have to have it all figured out. I don't have it all figured out. Far from it. But if you can believe in the resurrection of Jesus, you are ready to ask Jesus Christ into your life. And some of you, that is where you're at. Romans 5.1 Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, it is your faith that saves you. We have peace with God because of what Jesus has done for us. You can't earn it. Jesus already did it. But you do have to exercise your faith. There are a lot of people walking around, Jesus died for them, and they're not saved. Why? They don't, they're not calling on his name by faith and asking him to come into them. That's it. Believe and receive it. He'll make you new today. That's why some of you are here. Call on his name. Maybe you've gotten off track. Whatever it is, he's calling you home. He died for you. He rose for you. And if anybody knows that it was Paul. So what books have you heard from today? Ephesians, Colossians, Philippians, just heard from Romans. Paul wrote all of them. All of them. He wrote over half the New Testament. Paul hated Christians. He, he, he partook in killing them. Hated everything Jesus Christ stood for at one point. Hated it. He was the biggest opponent of the church. So how does a man go from being the biggest opponent to the biggest proponent? He met Jesus on a road. Not in a dream, not in some vision. He met Jesus Christ, a resurrected king who was dead and was now alive. He met him, and it changed him. See, when you truly meet Jesus, you will be changed. You will be changed. He will change you. It might not happen immediately, but it will happen eventually. How does a guy go from hating Christians to being one of the greatest church planters in the world? That's what Paul was. Oh my 
He planted churches with Barnabas, Peter, Silas. There's a story of Paul and Silas in Acts. I got to read it to you. Acts 16. So just check this out. Paul is now loving people and planting churches and pointing people to Jesus because he saw, he saw him alive. It'll change you. When you see that a guy was dead and then he was alive, it'll just, trust me, it'll change you. It changed Paul. Paul and Silas were arrested. They're in prison. The level of your praise determines the level of your peace. Acts 16, 22 through 26. They're in prison. They were being attacked. You want, to see, you want to hear attack? You want to hear persecution? The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas. And the magistrates ordered them to be stripped, beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, beaten, they were thrown into prison. The jailer was commanded, guard these guys carefully. And when he received the orders, he put them in an inner cell and fastened their, 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 their feet into stocks. You might fasten my feet, but you can't remove my shoes of peace because those things you can't remove. After midnight, say midnight. Midnight. The dawn of a new day. After midnight, Paul and Silas, beaten, whipped, bleeding, were praying and singing hymns to God. Say praise. Praise. How do you do that? And the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was a violent earthquake and the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The level of your praise determines the level of your peace. And I'm telling somebody, when your praise goes up, his peace will rain down and chains will fall off. I need somebody to give the next 15 seconds to God and give him praise up in this place. Come on, God. Come on, Lord. Change people. We want life change. Your peace isn't dependent on what's going on around you. It's depending on what's going on in you. You control it, nobody else. You can have it today. I'm going to give you an action item for this week. The first one is specific. Well, they're, they're for today and this week. Number one. If you've never called on the name of the Lord to be saved, today is your day. If you believe in the resurrection of Jesus, that he was dead and now alive, and he can take your sins away and, and, and remove them forever and make you new, this is your day. Commit your life to him. There's no greater decision you'll ever make. Some of you, it's more of a recommitment. You, you've believed in him or you've gotten off track, but today's the day. I'm, I'm going to get my life right. I'm going to get, well, Jesus will help you get your life right. Jesus will help you get your life straight. You can't do it on your own. There is no peace away from him. There is no purpose away from him. There is no life away from him. The other action item is certainly for everybody sitting in this place today. It is every day this week, starting right now, I want you to write down or jot down in your phone three things that you're grateful for. Every day, every morning. Starts today, starts now. Jot them down, write them down. I'm gonna help you, I'll give you mine. I'm grateful that God looked at a drug addict like me, a guy who was so jacked up sideways, messed up, screwed up, the least of these. You're looking at the least of these. And I'm still messed up, you know what? I still don't get it right. But I'm telling you something. If Jesus can take a drug addict and turn him into a, a, a pastor, he can do greater things in you. And he will. 
I'm grateful that Jesus Christ saved me from myself, my addiction, my sins. I'm grateful for you. You're the reason my family and I and others moved here. And this is our home now and forever, I hope. I love you. I love you. And I will, I will pastor you till the day God calls me home. And I'll never stop praying for you. And I'll never give up on you. Because you matter to me because you matter to God. And I'm grateful for my family. For my wife, Jody, For my children. For never giving up on dad. Never giving up on your husband. And loving me when I don't know if I deserve love from anybody. But you must have thought differently. Not because of who you are, but because who Christ is in you. That's what I'm grateful for today. Tomorrow will be three new things. And if you struggle by Thursday or Friday thinking of them, just don't give up. You'll think of them. Trust me. There's a lot. Three things. And after you write those three things down on that piece of paper or in that phone, you'll spend a few minutes praising God. And God will give you peace for your day. That is your action items for the next seven days. You guys, we live in a world that we're going to struggle. People think Christianity is easy. I'll tell you, you give your life to Christ, that's why he says armor up. Put on your gear. Because now the enemy, you got his attention. A couple weeks ago, we had a tragedy in our, a tragedy in our community with four girls that died in a car accident. Many of you heard about that by now. And one that survived. I think of those families. I don't know where they're at with their faith or anything. I don't know those families, but I do know that the Lord knows them and loves them. We need to pray for those families. And anybody else who's ever gone through anything right now, like you going through whatever you're going through, I'm telling you, when you go through something life-changing like that, Without God's peace in you or with people around you who have it that can help pour into you, it, it, I can't imagine. I can't imagine. We need to be a, a church in prayer for our community and for our, ourselves and for our neighbors, for the person you're sitting by that you may not even know. How do you get through stuff like that? Horatio Spafford was a guy who lived in the late 1800s. He, uh, this dude, I think of those four girls, this guy, 1871, his son died, okay? His son passed away tragically. Same year, his business burns up completely by fire. Okay, it's like, wow, that's bad. But it was going to get worse. Two years later, he sends his wife and his four daughters across the ocean, to go, traveling to Europe by boat, and the boat crashes, and his wife survives, but his four children don't. His four girls his four daughters. True story. I don't get it. You need peace when something like that happens because it doesn't come from anything in this world. Horatio got on a boat to go be with his wife who was still alive. He's traveling on the ship to Europe and he pens the words of a song which is insane what he wrote. A song of gratitude and thanksgiving, a song of peace and love. His son was dead. His daughters were dead. His business was gone. But his peace did not rest on any of that. It rested on who he was in Christ. I don't, that's amazing to me. He pens a song called It Is Well on his trip over. It says, when peace, this is part of the song, when peace like a river, when peace like a river, attendeth my way. When sorrow like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, whatever happens, thou, God, has taught me to say, it is well. It is well with my soul. 
Father, I thank you so much for your truth in this place today. We desperately need you. We love you. I lift up everybody in this place. It's easy to feel peace when you're hearing about it and you're praising you. But I know that the moment that they leave this place, we have an enemy. And I pray, God, that they arm themselves with the shoes of peace. Not based on their circumstances. Not based on their finances. Not based on um, their lack of provision. But based on your abundance of love. And your good news and your grace and your mercy. God, I pray that people will surrender their lives to you. I pray that people will take their next step and write down a gratitude list starting with three things each morning, three different things each morning. God, I pray that the, flood, the prayer area will be flooded with people desperately wanting to seek you here shortly. I pray for your presence. I pray for your spirit. I pray for everybody. God, we love you so much. We thank you for what you're doing. And we always will declare, God, that in you the best is yet to come. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody says, amen.